Bounces away from McCulloch. Thurston gets the ball to Morgan. Morgan crosses the 20. Comes away to O'Neill. Welcome to Above the Horizontal, a podcast about rugby league. I'm your host, Bo Nicholson, and tonight I'm joined by the one, the only, Daniel Friend, my friend from Yamina down the Central Coast. How are you this evening, Daniel? I'm good, thanks, Bo. Um, yeah, going all right, mate. My, um, my dog, who is named after the eighth immortal, Joey Johns, is currently basically right next to the laptop. He's scratching his nose, um, and he's, I think he wants to be part of the episode. <laughs> well, it sounds like he might already be, so um, hello to you, Joey, and any other great halfbacks out there. And that, that actually is a nice little segue into a very unfortunate event that, of course, happened last Thursday. We had an, a, a mini episode about it that came out last week. Of course, we're talking about the passing of the great Paul Green, who passed away uh, by suicide, unfortunately, a trigger warning to anyone out there that that might affect. There, we were talking about his suicide in, in not a lot of depth, of course, but just a, making reference to it in the next few minutes or so. But Paul Green passed away at the age of 49. He survived by his wife and and a couple of kids. And Friendy, it was, it was really a, a huge shock to the entire rugby league community that he that he passed away um what are the what are the emotions that you were feeling as you heard yeah it's obviously a really sad thing it's not something that um people ever want to talk about but maybe it's something that people need to talk about even more than they are um yeah it's something that's affected my family actually so a bit of a sore um sore sore point i'm not really sure how to describe how it feels but it's yeah it's not a great feeling and obviously i really feel for his family um in particular his his wife and kids and yeah, it's just a really sad thing all around it is worth mentioning at this point that uh the best thing that anyone can do if they're feeling a little bit unwell mentally of course uh is to reach out and that could be to friends family stranger on the street or of course lifeline 13 11 14 i did i did want to talk a little bit about paul green as a player as a coach as a man he he seemed like the kind of guy that i actually heard a story about him friendy um from an ex-partner of mine her her father is a big fishing guy he lives in air in north queensland which is an hour south of townsville and he had paul green like on his boat like one time out fishing, he didn't like really, he's not really a big football guy, but he was just, you know, Paul Green was a friend of a friend and he was out taking a, taking a leak off the back of the same boat that I was taking a leak out of one day, you know, and uh, he just seemed like a real man of the people, Paul Green, a very popular guy. Uh, Alan, who's the, the person I'm talking about, had nothing but kind words to say about him. I only met him that one time. Uh, and it seemed a bit of a pattern across the league, right? Like everyone's just <laughs> shocked because he was, Obviously, a good player, a good coach, but also just a really good bloke. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what people think of first and foremost when someone is finally gone is how they were as a person and and fond memories of them. And it sounds like that was certainly a good one as well. So, yeah, uh, in in terms of my – I've never had any sort of crossing of paths with Paul Green or anything like that. But um, what I would say is if you're a player – 
is completely different to being a coach and someone that we see coaches get burnt all the time and obviously he won a premiership um the first for a club which is that's cool in itself but Mm. the the longevity of his coaching career shows me that he showed real care for his players Mm. and i think that was yeah shown by the outpouring of emotion for him um yeah when he did go so yeah he's obviously remembered fondly by a lot of people it was amazing to see uh, Jonathan Thurston on 100% footy. He's This is a, obviously a few days after his passing, so it's still very fresh. And JT and Paul Green had a, a great working relationship, and it seems like a great personal personal relationship as well. And just how much Thurston was affected by it is is quite telling of, of the kind of man that Paul Green was. So, of course, as you said, Frandy, a, a really good call. We... Uh, we, we pay our condolences and respect to his family and friends because they're the ones that are really doing it tough. And it feels tough for me as a Cowboys fan. Like, you know, how tough would it be for those people in his inner circle, you know? So, uh, you know, our, our hearts go out to them. I, I, I do... I have heard a little bit about some ideas of what the game, the NRL, can do uh, moving forward. The, in, uh, you know, obviously... It's, pre- it's very presumptuous, and we're not going to make this assumption here that rugby league, you know, caused anything. It's not that case. He, he obviously had a mental illness. But is there something that the NRL can do? Are we, are we too hard on our coaches? Are, is there too much scrutiny on players and coaches? It, it, can we maybe have some initiatives that come into the game to have a real, you know, an awareness and a positive light on, on people's contributions and, and, uh, and obviously having that, that reach out message. Is there anything that, that you can think of that the game could do better? Yeah, I'm not too sure. I guess I'm not in and around the, the actual, I guess, NRL day to day NRL, I guess I'm a fan and I watch from afar. So, I know that they have welfare offices and um, counselling and and all that sort of stuff. Now, majority of that, I would assume, is for the players. Mm. So I wonder – I'm sorry, as my dog sneezes. um, I wonder if there's um, anything for the coaching staff. And, and like, I'm sure there probably is, but is that just normal HR at at a sort of corporate level? I'm not too sure because the players certainly have – a lot of welfare um, help around them. So I wonder if maybe the coaching staff can be incorporated into that. I I don't know, maybe they already are or maybe they can do more there. But um, in terms of day-to-day business running, maybe that's the area. Um, In terms of the NRL, yeah, I I think everyone can always do more. But um, I I think the NRL do a half decent job like they're, they're improving all the time in that space the mental health space i think just for the people in general like I, I deal a lot with this at school um and especially with teenagers and stuff and it it mental health is people have got to start understanding that it's like even though you can't see it it's the same as doing a hamstring injury or um, breaking your arm or something like that on the field. It, it, but it's just, it, it's an injury in your brain. So people have got to start understanding that just because you can't see it do- doesn't mean it's not there and doesn't mean it doesn't affect people just as severely as um, some of those physical injuries we can see. So 
yeah, I, I think everyone can always do more, but maybe that's the improvement in the day-to-day club world and, and the NRL, yeah, potentially maybe they can have a round or something, but I, I don't know. I, I'm not really sure of the whole answer there. I, I tend to agree with you. I think there needs to be... I think there is good structure there already, and I feel like any improvements to the structure, I mean, should be investigated and, and should be evolving naturally, of course, as, as our understanding of mental health improves with time. Um, I think the message that really is very important is that when you do get into a dark space and it sounds to me like, you know, this is a very personal thing for you and and your family. And I mean, I had a friend that committed suicide earlier this year. It was, it was tough. It's really tough. And it's not, it's tough for them going through it literally inside their own heads. And it's tough for the the people around them as well. And whether you are in that moment in your own brain, or you can see someone in that moment, the best thing you can do in my personal opinion, and I'm not a doctor, but in my anecdotal experience is to reach out. And I know that I've had a lot of tough times personally, you know, um, nothing as severe as, you know, a lot of people that have, but the best thing that I've done is reach out. And, and, and you think that people don't care about you, but you've got to give people the chance to to care about you. You've got to try. And I've actually found, you know, friendly, you and me have never actually met. We've been friends for like five years, but we haven't yeah. actually met. And, um, you know, like as soon as there's a, a an inkling of mental health concern, yeah, like, you know, I know personally that you are straight onto that. You're just like, yep, yeah, cool. No worries. That comes first. No worries. Family comes first, whatever, whatever. And we just, we just get it done. And Kieran, Miles and Chris are exactly the same. And, mm-hmm. you know, like, we're not the closest of friends. So you just got to give the people around you a chance to, to help, you know, a a chance to just be in ear and, and just reach out to people, whether it's lifeline or, or whoever, I don't know if I'm speaking out of turn there, but that feels true to me at least. Absolutely agree, mate. Yep. You got to talk to someone because basically you've got to get that, that weight off your shoulders and, um, whoever that may be. Sometimes, sometimes it is someone really close to you, Sometimes it, it might not you might not want it to be so you've got to find that um, that that support network around you with all different I guess levels of friendship and yeah wherever fits best there's always someone that's going to be ready to talk because um, that's that's what they should be able to do. Totally agree, mate. And just a reminder, of course, that if anyone is struggling with any sort of mental health concerns, please reach out. Please call Lifeline on one three one 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 four or you know your friends, your family, uh, a psychologist, a doctor, anyone you can get your hands on because it is important. We're just going to take a, a couple of moments to hear from Kieran, who could not be with us tonight, but he's sending through a short little tribute to Paul Green as a Cowboys fan. Back after that with the Wildcard Awards. My Cowboys, my beloved Cowboys. Ever since I started watching the beautiful game of rugby league, All I wanted was to watch a Cowboys grand final victory. Irish born to Irish parents, but I grew up in Australia and feel a strong connection to such a privileged land to live in with great people. I think the connection I have for this country bleeds into my rugby league team. I want so badly to see a team in a country I live in and call home do well. I saw the Cowboys for the first time in 2003 after watching them on a sticky night in Townsville 
against the Warriors and watched near every game from there on afterwards. Fast forward 12 years and I was cheering on my Cowboys again, but this time we were premiership contenders, steered around by one JT and new but by no means amateur NRL coach Paul Green. We found ourselves quickly off the pace in last place after three straight defeats to start the season and I was starting to fall out of love with the game in 2015 after heartbreak the three previous seasons. But there was a vast change in the Cowboys side I so adored. Our performances were continually becoming more spirited with each game, all due in large to Paul Green's challenging of each and every player within our squad. We went on to win round four against the Melbourne Storm in extra time after being 17-10 down with 10 minutes to go. And we didn't look back, winning a club record 11 straight, including a stirring comeback against the Eels that exemplified the belief Green had instilled within the group. This same belief had been growing under Green, tangible from our 2014 semi-final against the Roosters where we came from 30-0 down to nearly steal the unthinkable against the Roosters side boasting one of the most feared and intimidating squads, the 2015 final series. It'll live forever in my memory, and not only that, but how we got there. Greeny masterminded a new form of attack for us, which saw Michael Morgan, Jason Tamalolo, Lachlan Coop, JT, and Jake Granville, but to name a few, all have arguably their greatest NRL seasons. That wondrous night on September the 4th of October 2015. I've got goosebumps rising as I speak right now. The 80 minutes and more far exceeded my expectations. I broke my sister's friend's house lights jumping up and down in elation at JT's competition winning field goal. The field goal that piloted us into grand final folklore, where we held our nerve before previously being thought of as a club that couldn't. Green stamped his authority on our club, raised the standards, set the bar as high as it could go, and was unrelenting. He changed the culture and mentality at a time when we were in a premiership window, but so were about four or five other teams that wanted it just as bad. Paul Green, you gave me the greatest night of my life. Not only that, but the most enjoyable season I've ever had the pleasure of witnessing for a club I'm so passionate about. If we never win one again, you live long in the memory as the tactician and man that gave me the single moment I crave most as an avid sporting fan. Rest in peace, mate. Thanks very much to Kieran for those for those thoughts. Um, now let's get into a bit more of our scheduled broadcasting, of course, which includes the Wildcard Awards and, of course, predictions for round 23 of the NRL and round one of the NRLW, which starts up this weekend as well. So some exciting things to look forward to in the NRL as well. Let's start with the Wildcard Awards. I'll kick us off with someone, maybe something a little bit light. It's the Mate, This Bloke Can Coach A Bit A Award. It goes to Craig Bellamy. <laughs> was really impressed. Yeah. Was really. I was. I was really impressed with the way he solved some issues he had in his side. Uh, and it's things that maybe uh, we aren't talking about a great deal. Like, for example, Friendy, uh, you would have noticed that Norfolk Luma was on the left hand side and Coach was on the right, which is unusual for them. They both haven't been playing there this year. But yeah. didn't it make a big difference to their right side defense having Coach there instead of Norfolk Luma uh, next to Seve and? 
you know, didn't it make a difference having Nelson Asofa Solomona on an edge yep. to blunt Sean O'Sullivan? And didn't it make a difference to leave Cameron Munster at fullback? You know, masterstroke stuff, friendy. Uh, I think he's got a big future, does young Bellamy. I don't know. Yeah, he, he goes all right. Um, he still he still looks youngish, bellyache, I reckon, and he's he's in his mid sixties, isn't he? Um, yeah, but yeah, so. he's yeah, he's certainly that that was absolute masterclass coaching, and maybe not something you'd associate Bellamy with on sort of game day itself. He's sort of more um, break you down, tack, like over a whole year, we're the fittest team. Um, our plays that we always use will always work. It's, it's all sort of pre-planned, but this was real. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm sure they trained in that structure the whole week with Nelson on the right edge and, and Coates and Nofaluma on um, differing sides and things, and, and Munster at the back. Um, but, yeah, I, I thought it was brilliant because I, I guarantee Penrith did not see Nelson or Sofa Solomon are starting on a right edge, um, and that it really nullified kick out and Sean O'Sullivan. Oh my God, he's going to be scared for weeks about that. <laughs> Absolutely, and it was probably it's um, you know Sofa Solomon has had a, a really wonderful career, particularly in the middle, obviously, but that's about as damaging as I've seen him for a while. I thought he was really mm-hmm. good on that edge. So yeah, obviously Craig Bellamy gets the mate. This bloke can coach a bit. A award. Freddie, what's your wild card award this week? Mate, my wild card award this week is the Sniffing Accountant Award, and <laughs> it goes to uh, Kalen Ponga. So anyone who's seen that Seinfeld episode of the Sniffing Accountant where uh, Kramer thinks that uh, Jerry's accountant is obviously um, doing a bit of uh, things you shouldn't do in a cubicle, mm-hmm. and he runs in and he takes a photo, and, yeah, the guy's not actually doing it. In this case, uh, allegedly... He, Kalen may have been. We don't know. So we don't want to get sued. So we're not going to say that he was. <laughs> We've got no money. We've got no money. Yeah, we are, what are you going to sue us for? Not much. Um, but I have to say it's a terrible look for the captain of our club, our highest paid player. Kurt Mann, obviously, it's poor as well. But Kalen, like, he, he's our marquee man. He, he's basically taking up what 10% of the salary cap by himself um maybe even a little bit more so he's out injured with a brain injury his dad gave the excuse that he was blotto and <laughs> he uh, i don't know he was having a an up and under in the toilets and uh, don't get me wrong like I, i've done that before too and you go out and you keep drinking and and whatever but like I, I don't know. I've seen guys in the cubicle before too, and yeah, I'm not buying that excuse, unfortunately. Well, um, to, yeah. to me, Freddie, it, 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 it kind of matters what's going on, obviously. And if mm. I mean, there's a, there's a drug take, uh, a drug test being undertaken, I believe. Uh, that yep. was that was a couple of days ago, I believe. So you know, we'll we'll find out the results of that soon, I suppose. Um, and if he, if he was, obviously that's something to be dealt with. If he wasn't, then it was something else. But either way, it's not a good look. Um, I, I've, I've heard that he was only there for 25 minutes. So yeah. I don't know how blotto he was. Um, I, I don't know if he'd been drinking somewhere else for hours. I'm not sure. But to have two rugby league players both injured, um, one of which the club captain worth over a million dollars a season coming out with rum in their hand, getting kicked out of a club, 
you're right. It's the optics on it are terrible, regardless of whatever was happening in that cubicle. Yeah, surely he needs to be putting his club first in this situation. Like, yeah, have a great time, celebrate your house. I, I don't mind any of that sort of stuff. But when you are re- recovering from a from a head injury, particularly, surely alcohol is not the solution. I would have thought. Yeah, well, also, his team had just been beaten again. Um, he's sitting out for the season, which I I understand, and, and I do get all the science, medical science and everything like that behind it, but as a, as a Knights fan, and a lot of Knights fans are, are pretty off Kalen at the moment with the lack of game time we're getting out of him each season. This is a recurring thing. So mm-hmm. um, the fact that, yeah, he's out on the drink, his team had just been beaten, he's being rested for the rest of the season, but he's taking up our most, like the most of our salary cap. He's our captain. It just, everything, it's, it's yeah, it's it poor. Um, and unfortunately, he's, he's really on the nose up there. Now, I'm hoping this is his... Jonathan Thurston moment where mm. we all remember JT shirtless handcuffed after getting the boot from I think was it the casino at um at, at Brisbane or Gold Coast or something anyway mm-hmm. um yeah and after that JT went on to become not only one of the greatest players ever but one of the great leaders uh, at his club and and won a premiership and things like that so I'm hoping this is the kick in the bum Kalen needs. And maybe there's some success around the corner for for Newcastle and Kalen himself. I like the comparison to JT, actually, because Kalen was meant to be the next JT at the Cowboys until he was uh, offered, you know, how could you refuse the offer he got from the Knights at that age, you know? Uh, And it's... The the thing that would really frustrate me if I was a Knights fan is not that he's sitting out the rest of the season. In fact, I was hoping that he would because that would give him the best chance of being, uh, you know, fulfilling the enormous contract and commitment that he's made to the club. What I don't like is the optics on, obviously, this situation and also the flirting with the idea of maybe playing for the Kangaroos this year. It's like, no, mate, if you yeah. are if you are out for your club, yeah. then you are out. And that's why I really like what Latrell Mitchell did when he came back from the US. It was like, no, 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 like, that's Matty Burton's spot. I'll, I'll get it back off him next year or whatever, but I'm going to focus on the Rabbitohs for now. That is the right optics. It's the opposite of what Kalen's doing at the moment. And Kalen is the club captain, so... I can hear you, mate. As a, as you know, as an outsider, I, if I was a Knights fan, that would all of that would be so so frustrating, and particularly when he's bleeding, you know, so much of your cap. Yeah, that that's the main part of it, I think. But um, yeah, I, I really think he needs to put his his Newcastle cap on here for a good few seasons, and and really put in for us as a club because he's just signed another massive deal. So that was only this year, and they extended him for another four on top of the existing one. And so he's got five more years. So if he, he's got a couple of choices to make um, about his footy and, and how he wants to go about it. But yeah, I'd, I'd really like to see him do well. What's up boys? This is the big E. Above how Santo. Enjoy tonight. Phenomenal. That's what you think, D. And big thanks to Owen Gibson, the Big E, for sending in his little little bit of uh, phenomenal there for you, friendy. That was for you especially, Ooh. apparently. Yeah, how good, the Big E, <laughs> what a legend. That that did uh, for for the um, listeners. 
um, as you're not viewing, that was the big E crushing one over long on in the nets um, <laughs> as well before he said that. So, yeah, love it, mate. Good stuff. <laughs> he's, he's, so, he's so funny. He's, he's in, working on his uh, indoor cricket. He wants to – and obviously we can't tra- practice indoors at the time warning that we work together on a Wednesday. So we hit the outdoor nets and uh, we got a tennis ball and a bat and he's learning all the skills and he's, he's improving his catching. And he got 74 catches with, with a mini football, not a tennis baller today, but 74 in a row. So he's pretty happy, the big E. So. Yeah. Big shout-out to the BE. We'll try and slip that little bit of audio in every now and then. Friendy, let's talk about round 23 of the NRL. And then, of course, round one of the NRLW before making some bold predictions. It starts on Thursday night at 7.50 from Acor Stadium. It's the Rabbitohs and Panthers, Friendy. Now, Campbell Graham and Ilias are back for the Rabbitohs. But all eyes are on whether Mitchell plays or not with a groin complaint. And I will get your thoughts about whether you would play him. The Panthers welcome Dylan Edwards back while it appears Liam Martin's injury wasn't as bad as first thought and he has been named. So, Friendy, who's going to win and why? And if you are Jason Demetrio, are you risking a potentially slightly injured Latrell Mitchell at this time? Well... Firstly, from the horse's mouth, or, well, his Instagram feed, uh, Latrell Mitchell just said, the Ferrari's in the garage. That's all. So um, I think he'll be right to go on Mm -hmm. uh, Thursday night, and I'm looking forward to seeing him play. Yes, I would play him because there's still a a real legitimate chance of making the top four. Mm -hmm. So it, it obviously depends on how the other sides go. Probably particularly Melbourne with, with their draw, I guess. Um, but, yeah, if I'm the Bunnies, I'm pu- at least putting him out there for yeah, the first half and seeing if he can get a bit of a lead for them and maybe you drag him off a bit early, I guess, the big dog. Um, yeah, what do you think? I would go exactly the same as you. Top four is beckoning, and they are right there in with a chance. So I'd be going with him playing, and as a result of that, I'm going to tip the Rabbitohs. Do you have the Rabbitohs prevailing? Yeah, I'll be tipping the Rabbitohs, and obviously Luttrell's a huge, important part of that, but I think their forward pack is flying at the mm-hmm, moment. Mm-hmm. I think they're doing a great job. I actually, I really, Cam Murray, he, he's just a freak. Um, but Junior Totola up front, mm-hmm. and Jai Arrow on an edge has been really good for them too. Kalal Matangi is outstanding every week. Um, yeah, I, I really like the Bunnies here. Obviously, Penrith under strength. And we saw last week that uh, against the, the classier sides in the competition, if you're missing majority of your key players, um, it's really hard to win. Rolling forward to the next game from Queensland at Country Bank Stadium it is the Cowboys and Warriors. And no such issues when it comes to key player injuries. The Cowboys are full strength now that Kyle Felt returns. Hammersode comes back to the bench. The Warriors are 1-17 to after flogging the Bulldogs at home last week. How do you see this one going? Yeah, one way and one way only. And that, that's the Cowboys' way. I think they'll be way too strong in this one. I would be... Um, I'm known to have a bit of a double every now and then, but I reckon you could throw darts at a board with the names on them and they'll be your try scorers this week because the <laughs> Cowboys will be lining up to score. Um, Cowboys by plenty. <laughs> all right. As long as you uh, handle that dartboard responsibly, I'm, all, I'm okay with that. <laughs> uh, I, too, were going for the Cowboys. Heart tip, but I think certainly a head tip. I think if they 
Having two home finals is going to be so important for the Cowboys, being a North Queensland team playing against Sydney teams, presumably. So third is very different to second. Uh, And if they want to keep second, they need to keep winning. So this is one they have to win. So Cowboys for me too. The next game is very consequential for a potential top four. It's the Broncos and Storm from Suncorp. There's no changes for the Broncos after their victory against the Knights. While Jerome Hughes returns for the Storm, Munster again has been named at six. But time will tell if Bellamy changes that or not on game day like he did last week. Friendy, this one, this one's a very interesting one for me. Yeah, it certainly is. Um, I really, I, I don't think Brisbane played that well against Newcastle last week, to be honest. They started maybe the first 15 minutes was pretty good. And then the rest of it, uh, they sort of fell away. And prior to that, their form has been very mixed as well. So I'll be tipping Melbourne here. Um I'm pretty sure from memory, Melbourne have a quite a good record up there too. Um, obviously, someone like Munster will relish the, the opportunity to play at Suncorp Stadium. Um, and I do believe he will play fullback again, even though he'll be wearing the six. But the strike of him on either side of the field is just, it's too much to resist at the moment for Melbourne. Yeah, he's gone straight from being like the best 5'8 in the game to being like, yeah. you know what? He's like a top three fullback, like Absolutely. straight, straight yeah. away. Uh, what a freak. I too am going for the Storm, very similar reasons. The Broncos have a bit of a wobble at the moment. And I've got a funny feeling if any team is going to fall out of the eight from here, it might just be them, potentially. Them or the Eels, I think. Yeah. Um, but that would require the Raiders to go on a big run. So it probably won't happen. The next game is the Eels and Bulldogs from Combank Stadium. Mitchell Moses returns for the Eels and a big boost for them. While the Bulldogs forward pack might have some reinforcements with Luke Thompson and Tavita Pangai Jr. named among the reserves. Friendy, surely the Eels, if they're gonna if they are gonna stay in the eight, they have to put this one away. Yeah, I think the Eels will put this one away. Um, I do believe this will be a really high scoring game though, so um, it's obviously the early game on the Saturday, 3 p.m. If it is a dry day, which I expect it to be, like it's been sunny all week down here, just a little bit of breeze. So I reckon it could be one of those sort of almost like when Parramatta played Manly the other week, it was about 36-20 or something like that. So, oh yeah, really high scoring, and I think Parramatta will win. Yeah, me too. Pretty much exactly the same as you. I Especially with the way that the Bulldogs have been attacking and the Eels have been defending... Yeah, yep. I think I think you're right about the high-scoring game too. So, uh, Eels for me. Next game is the Seagulls and the Sharks from Four Pines Park. There's no Jason Saab and there is no Jake Tavroyevich. In fact, he will be out for the rest of the season, unfortunately, Jake. Uh, while the Sharks will be without Toby Rudolph for a few weeks, they do welcome back the great Connor Tracy. I had that in there, especially for Kieran, who's not here. Hopefully he hears it. And, uh, and also Matt Moylan will be back as well. So, that strengthens the Sharks. They are currently third. They're hunting hard for that top two, and the Seagulls realistically are done for the season. So, friendly with the Sharks with more to play for, I'd be going for them. Yeah, I'll be tipping Cronulla as well. The big loss here for Manly is uh, Jake Trebojevich in the middle. He stiffens up their defense mm. um, so much. So, I really think the Sharks will get a roll on here and. Manly's edge defense is pretty ordinary as well. So the Sharks love to attack out wide and sort of shot for shot either side. I expect the Sharks to win and win well. Yeah, it's not just the fact that Jake Trevojevic strengthens their defense, but it's also the fact that the Sharks' middle is, is quite potent. Um, mm-hmm. Having guys like Royce Hunt and Braden Hamlin-Ueli and all those sort of types, it, it really, they have a bit of punch. So yeah, it could be a 
tough time for the old Sea Eagles, unfortunately, on Saturday afternoon. Leading into Saturday evening at the SCG, it's the Roosters and the Tigers. There's no changes for the Roosters, who are, I think they're on a five-game winning streak, while the Tigers are bringing back Ken Marmolo, who replaces James Roberts, essentially. Freddie, who do you like here? Yeah, I think this is only going one way as well. I think the Roosters win this and win this by a long way. They're um, the two big boys, Jared, who you know I'm a fan of, mm-hmm. um, and Matt Lodge. They're doing a great job for the Roosters in the middle. On the back of that, guys like Victor Radley, he's allowed to, and Luke Keary and Sam Walker. They're sort of their three real points of attack, but their their ball playing's been really good of late. I want to note as well if people can have a look this week of when the Roosters are coming out of yardage. The first few hit-ups, it's just absolute carnage of mm-hmm. Suley, Tupo, Teddy, Teddy like five times somehow in a set. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and then Joey Manu will come from the right-hand side, um, come in onto the left in the middle. They're just banging down the door in the middle, uh, and I expect yeah, the, the Tigers they're not going to hang on for long here. This will be this will be a Roosters demolition job. And on the back of what you're talking about, the, as you mentioned, Victor rather didn't the other game against the bloody oh, Cowboys. Yeah. <laughs> Very sexy. Yeah. Um, if, if it wasn't for Cam Murray, he would have been the best lock in the, of the week, and he may well have been anyway. But you mentioned Warrior Hargreaves. You mentioned Lodge. They're both the kind of front rowers that they're the bend the line front rowers, and yeah. the line's already bent for them. They're already retreating yeah. because of those back three and no. Joey Manu. So, that, yeah, Joseph... Suali'i, he is he's an absolute moral to be on the wing for Australia mm-hmm. and he's only just turned 19 honestly that this oh, he's almost at the sky this kid like the the stars are the limit for him he is he is unreal I I, I can't even imagine how good his career is going to end up but he's only 19 yeah um, that's <laughs> you actually called it a little while ago back when it was kind of a bold prediction yeah and now, as you say, it, it's almost guaranteed to happen on a touring party. You'd have to think he makes it. I mean, yeah. this is the same Australian team that selected Sione Metautia uh, on the wing many years ago as an 18-year-old. I think Joseph Swelly has a little bit more raw talent. So I think, uh, I think he's a good thing as well. The Sunday games in the NRL men's is the Dragons and Titans from Wynn Stadium. There's no changes for the Dragons. They did come close against the Raiders. While Tino Fasuamali Aoi returns to the Titans after their, frankly, very impressive victory against the Seagulls. How do you like this one? A couple of teams playing for pride? Yeah, a bit of pride on the line. I do think the Dragons play really well down at Wynn. Um, it, it's a, obviously a further distance than most grounds in Sydney. It's almost probably an hour from the city. Um, yeah, so I'll, I'll be tipping the Dragons uh, on a dry Sunday. Oh, hopefully there's a few points to watch because the Titans like sort of playing that way, but yeah, I think the Dragons too good here. It's interesting to talk about Win. Like uh, Ben Hunt has one of the best kicking games in the comp, and Win Stadium is one of those places that actually gives you a genuine home ground advantage, not just because of the crowd, but because of the conditions being as close to the water as it is with the wind conditions and things and having some familiarity is a big plus. So I think, yeah, I think you're right. I think the Dragons win it at home. Uh, ben Hunt to play a, a key factor compared to, you know, Brimson, Tanner, Boyd. 
I think uh, I think that's the Dragons to win that one. And the last game is the Knights and the Raiders from McDonald Jones Stadium. I would be curious to hear about this Bradman Best Inari Tawala situation because they've been sat, but that gives Christian Mapapalangi an opportunity to debut at center. Clemmer returns as well. For the Raiders, they welcome back Nick Chotrich, Joe Tarpane, and of course, Ricky Stewart. Uh, Friendy, first of all, have you heard much about the Bradman Best Inari Tawala situation? They've been sat for team standards. They were 10 minutes late for the bus um, after where were we coming home from? Yeah, Brisbane, Suncorp Stadium. So they were 10 minutes late for the bus the next day on the way to the airport. Um, and that obviously, apparently now, that's the standard Newcastle is looking to set. Mm. And that that's, that's a weak suspension now. So obviously there's a bit of a kick up the bum for those two boys. Um, yeah, let's, let's see if they do that for the captain. Hey, um, <laughs> It's it's all a bit odd, isn't it? A- anyway, that that's why. Uh, but there you go. They they give another young bloke um, who's been doing really well um, this season in the lower grades uh, an opportunity. And I mean, Bradman hasn't been going his best this year. Mm-hmm. Oh, pardon the yeah the, the pun. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I didn't mean that one. And uh, Inari Tawala, he honestly, I he's sort of a bit bits and pieces or as Miles like to call them, an, an egg and ham type player. Um, <laughs> that, was, I think he should, that was legend in Aritawala, mate. Yeah. They, they always, there's an old saying in sport that um, you you never give a mug an opportunity in, in your spot. And I think that's what they might have done here. And if the young bloke kills it on the weekend, then, yeah, I, I don't know. They, they might um, regret being late to that bus. Yeah, it's good to have standards, that's for sure. Um, I don't know if it's a, a week. I mean, that's the same penalty Ricky Stewart got. Um, but <laughs> anyway, uh, good for, as you say, good for Christian Mapapalangi. Uh, and hopefully he does kill it, uh, as debutants often do. I'm going for the Raiders. What do you yeah. think? Yeah, Raiders by a lot. And I, yeah, I really think Hudson Young will score in this game. He's been on fire of late. Uh, that's our weak spot on our right edge and their left edge. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, Hudson Young and, and Jack White, and they're the two guys to look for out on the left for the Raiders. Very interesting. As I said, I called it a while ago, Hudson Young to play for New South Wales. He didn't play this year, but I, I don't know. I've just got a funny feeling about him. I reckon he'll play it's there one day. Yeah. yeah. I think he could do worse. And, Friendy, it is NRLW round one. Very, very exciting. I love the NRLW, and it is getting better and better every year. We did have six teams in the last competition, which the Dragons won. And we have six teams again. We have 10 announced for next season. Hopefully that goes well as well. The first game is the Eels and the Roosters. It's from Combank Stadium at one o'clock on Saturday. I'm very excited to see it. I love the look of the Roosters team, Friendy. I think I'm going to go for them, particularly having a back line that includes, you know, Jess Sergis, yeah. Isabel Kelly. Sam Bremner returns from her, uh, you know, couple of years off for uh, to have a baby. So to throw in uh, people like Togatuki in the front row, of course, Zahara Tamara at 5'8", they have a lot of strike power. So I will be going for them. What do you think? Yeah, I totally agree. The two centres, they showed their class in the um, state of, women's state of origin. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were exceptional, sort of 
different kind of players. Um, Isabel Kelly heavily involved, and Jess Sergis is sort of more that strike centre, I guess you'd say. So, um, and the the front rower uh, Tokatuki is it? Yeah. Um, yeah, she's a weapon. Just goes all day. I love watching her play. So. Yeah, I'll be tipping the, the Roosters there as well. The next game is between the Dragons and the Titans. It is at midday on Sunday from Wynn Stadium. Now, the Dragons, they, as I said, they won last last competition, and they have 13 of their 17 were part of that, that premiership-winning team. The Titans, they they did really well. They, they exceeded expectations last year. They have got some good players. So of course, the legendary Steph Hancock in the front row, Tasman Gray in the back row, Lauren Brown's a good player. Um, Karina Brown, of course, a great winger as well, but there's just so much class in the Dragons, not to mention, I mean, of course, the back row of Kezi Apps and Shelly Bent, but your favorite, the fullback, Emma Tonegato. Oh, yeah. She is a weapon. She's fast, evasive, elusive, everything you can think of. She, she can do it all. I absolutely love watching her play. Um, yeah, and I'll be tipping the Dragons basically because yeah, I like watching her play, to be honest. Yeah, I too will be going for the Dragon. She was, of course, the equal uh, player of the season last year with Millie Boyle. Mm-hmm. So uh, very well deserved, very fine player. And yes, I expect that she will get the job done with her Dragons against the Titans. They, the Titans have got Jatea Faifua on the reserves. And to me, that's a crime. She has to be in the team. Uh, she's one of my favorite players for reasons. Um, the, ne- <laughs> the, ne- <laughs> the final game of round one is a bit of a showdown. Uh, it could be a bit of a grudge match, actually, because the, the Knights have a star-studded team and they've taken a couple of very, very key Broncos. Uh, it's at 6.10 p.m. to end the round at McDonald Jones Stadium after the Knights-Raiders game in the NRL. As I said, Tamika Upton, fullback for the Knights, big in. Uh, Millie Boyle, joint player of the year last year, big in in the front row. Caitlin Johnson, very impressive in the State of Origin this year. Hannah Southwell, a very good working lock as well for the Knights. Broncos still have a lot of class. Taryn Aiken, Ali Brickenshaw, of course. Uh, Shanae Sizolka, Julia Robinson, fantastic back line. Chelsea Lenarduzzi as well in the front row, my goodness. But I am going to go for the Knights. They, they seem like a team on the rise. That's it. Yep. Uh, big signings. Like... Tamika Upton, obviously, an absolute superstar. Millie Boyle is the big one for me. I mean, who doesn't love following a front rower who's, like, skittling the defense? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, you'd go to war for her, I think. The girls will. So, yeah, Millie to lead the way to a night's win. Yeah, I, I'm totally with you. And it would be lovely to have you feeling a bit positive about the Newcastle Knights for once <laughs> for this season. So uh, looking forward to that. We haven't had that sort of vibe from you since about round two or three. So uh, <laughs> will be great to have. Friendy, let's talk some bold predictions. I have to kind of think of one, I think. But do you have one lined up? Before before I let you do that, actually, I, I should mention, of course, that last week you and I both got our bowl predictions. Uh, mine was a bit of a soft bowl prediction, having the Queenslanders get two out of three wins, and the Titans came through for me in the end. And you had at least 10 left-wingers score tries. There would have been much more than that by the end of it, I suppose. I think there was, yeah, 11 tries scored by left-wingers. Um, just in so, time. Yeah, I snuck home. I, I was basically nearly home with um, obviously four teams left on the Sunday and uh, yeah, only one crashed over, but yeah, we, or two, sorry. Yeah, we, we got there, um, which was good. I think 
that's my fourth bowl in five weeks. I'm pretty sure. That's, um, that's fantastic areas, Randy. That's like yeah, that's yeah. the the Rabbitohs at the moment. They they're four out of five, and their only loss was in Golden Point. So they they're doing okay too. Just like you, Randy, you're doing fantastic. Thanks, mate. Um, I think this week for me, I'm going to go on the similar sort of route, I guess, and pick a position with multiple try scores for this position. But it's a little bit harder, so I'm going to go six or more halfbacks to score this week. Ooh, I like yeah. that. Tanner Boyd yeah. to go berserk against the yeah. Dragons. What, what I might, I might, I might clarify that too. I might say six or more tries from halfbacks. So if one scores a double, then I only need four from the others. Yes, gotcha. I understand. Yeah, that, that works. I like that. I'm going to have an optimistic one. I'm going to go for Christian Mapapalangi to get a try on debut against the Raiders. I don't think it'll lead to a victory, but I hope that the young fella has a great game and gets over the try line. Friendy, as always, mate, thank you very, very much for your time. Thanks for obviously uh, delving into some personal stuff at the start regarding Paul Green. As, as I said, if anyone is struggling, reach out to Lifeline 13 11 14. Condolences to everybody that is feeling that. Uh, but yes, thank you for your thoughts regarding that issue, regarding the Knights, and of course for your wise analysis and predictions, mate. Always a pleasure. Pleasure, mate. Loved it. Let's do it again next week. Let's do it again next week. And and thanks, of course, to the audience and to Owen and to Kieran, who also sent through their stuff. Uh, I look forward to us all going above the horizontal in a totally safe way next week. Up the Horizontal is brought to you by the Pioneer Australia. Find them on Facebook or at www.pioneeraustralia.wordpress.com. The panellists are Miles Stedman, Kieran Gibson and Daniel Friend. And it's hosted and produced by me, Bo Nicholson.